This is Jeff. This is Brett. This is Megan. And we're just talking about Star Wars Dark Empire on the Skywalk. What's up, Moof Milkers? Welcome to episode two of our Dark Empire miniseries. Finally! We're back, people! In this episode, we will talk about issue number two, Devastator of Worlds. And we're coming at you live and direct. If you can't tell, we're doing this through Zoom, which makes me a little uneasy. And we're just going to go with it. Brett, are you saying you have a bad feeling about this? I have a bad feeling about this. (laughs) (laughs) But, But you guys are wonderful human beings. Oh, right back at you. That's a Java quote. No, it was a Han quote too, Java. Anyways, before we do, social meteors on Apple Podcasts, search for the Skywalk Skies and Skywalk is in the thing you cook in. Spell W-O-K. Subscribe there and please leave us a review. Spotify, same deal. The Skywalk. Disgracebook is facebook.com slash the Skywalk. Twitter at the Skywalk. Instagram, the Skywalk. And tell us about Podomatic, Jeffrey. Well, listeners, you know how we do. When we have a small thing of scotch and we're sipping it slowly, it's starwarsovercoffee.podomatic.com. And all the other platforms, Stitcher, Podbean, Radio something something. <laughs> Radio FM. Welcome back, Jeff and Megan. Special guest star, Meganator. Thanks for having me back. The last thing that Megan and I did together when we were actually still at the office was throw a going away party for Britain. Oh, yeah, we did do that. I forgot about it. Yeah, the last time we were all together uh, was around the time Brexit was happening, but we're still carrying on virtually, remotely. (laughs) It was a good time. We had a lot of cheese, some wine and beer. That was a great time. I missed that. Oh, man. I know. Someday we'll be doing that again. Memories. One day. Yeah, the memes, the memories. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing we're trying to do here with the Dark Empire miniseries is figure out if we want to bring it back into the Star Wars canon or not. So far, yes, we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I would give up the sequel trilogy. Oh, hands down. Not even close. In a heartbeat in favor of Dark Empire. Wait, the sequel trilogy is in the one with Hayden Christensen? No, that's That's the the prequel prequel trilogy. Oh, shoot. You're right. Oh, so the new one with Ray. Yeah, Yeah, which we like. You'd be willing to give that up? I would give it up for Dark Empire. Yes, I would. It's easy to say this in hindsight, but man, we're loving this series so much. Okay, I could stand by that. All right. So first off, I have a minor correction from last time in our last episode uh, discussing issue number one. I said that issue number two was called Destroyer of Worlds. No, it is not. It's actually Devastator of Worlds. My bad. Jeff is holding it up. Jeff has the physical copy. Megan and I are looking at the digital copy right now. So what we're going to do is uh, give you a little recap of what goes on in this episode. We'll have comments to throw in. Again, this is like our director's commentary when you watch a movie. So we're going to pretend Dark Empire is a movie and we're providing the director's commentary. We just saw rolling credits. First off, this issue too starts with an opening crawl. Much yes. like issue number one. I don't know if that's necessary, you guys. I don't know if we need an opening crawl for every issue. I feel like for me, it's helpful because I am not as in the Star Wars world as you guys. So for me, it was useful. Yeah. I would say it was, it's necessary, Brad, because you have to think about how far apart these issues came out. Right. Yeah. Right. So if, you, if you're thinking about the kid who's going to the comic book store and he's like, oh, man, I've been waiting for a whole month for this issue. Right. Or us. 
and and the time that we took to record episode one, <laughs> episode two, That's true. exactly. It's been a few I really did need the recap this time, right? But but think about it. Like they, you know, you, you have to imagine that they bought the comic. It came in the plastic wrap. It had the cardboard backing. Yeah. They, you know, slowly opened the package, lifted it out, and they said, "Oh, this is, you know, it smells fresh." Right. Did a bunch of algebra good. homework in between. You know, yeah. Kind of forgot like, what was and going I'm gonna on. Do, I'm going to do this while I get my hot dog. I'm going to get a, you know, a, a Slurpee from 7-Eleven. Put some pavement on my CD player. Oh, on my yeah. disc man. Hey, now. <laughs> so let's get into the story of Star Wars Dark Empire issue number two. The opening crawl does remind us of the context, as you pointed out, Jeff. In short, the Empire fell in the original trilogy, as we know, but it still has a pulse. And there are factions fighting for control, factions that might now be, quote, reunified by a dark side power that has emerged from hiding. And as we saw in issue number one, Luke Skywalker has stayed behind with R2 to take on this dark side power while his friends go off to reunite with Mon Mothma and the Rebel Alliance. Interesting that unlike the sequel trilogy, they decided to dignify the ruling class of the Rebel Alliance. Like they were still grownups in the room figuring out how to win a war. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that it's still referred to as the Rebel Alliance, even though the script has been flipped. They are now the ones in control and the struggling fractured empire is in the underdog position. In a feudal system. Mm. Yes. I think all of this is wonderful. <laughs> Brett, that's like your new favorite word now. Wonderful. You, you, wonderful. <laughs> That's how 3PO says it. I was going to insert that sound effect here. Okay. First page. Yeah. Did we mention that Luke and Lando stole a freaking Star Destroyer in issue number one? Again, amazing. One wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So that's now part of the Alliance fleet, which is absolutely baller. Admiral Akbar reports to Mothma that both sides of the Imperial Civil War are now heading into the uninhabited regions of the galactic core. Jeff, is this an IP-free way of saying the unknown regions? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jeff pointed out in our last episode that some of these things are very ambiguous. Like, there's Coruscant, but they don't call it that. Most likely because Disney didn't want to be paying Dark Horse Comics any royalties for this awesome content. Uh, anyways, going on. The rebels then unite on the fifth moon of Da Sucha, where a complex of caverns hidden in the moon's steep canyons has been enlarged and converted into operations deck and flight hangars by the rebels. We'll talk about this later, but how freaking dope is it? It looks amazing. It's just a truly imaginative setting. Oh, and Generals Maydeen and Dodonna are there because of course they are, they should be. Again, take a note, JJ. At this meeting of actual war strategists, we're told that an actual, quote, dark side genius is at work, creating new technologies that go beyond all previous conception, including diabolical machines, world devastators that crush everything in their path. So those rock'em sock'em robots that we see on the cover of issue number two were in fact the devastators of worlds. Yeah. And they've been placed all over worlds sympathetic to the rebellion. Uh, I imagine this would be a montage if it was a film. Uh, we see a Admiral Akbar's home planet of Calamari and it's appropriate that they start there. After all, it is an appetizer. 
This is where we put the little rim shot in. Yeah, I love I love this picture, by the way. Oh yeah, show us, Jeff. That's amazing. That is a great picture. I liked the one that was before it too. The one on the page with like yes. the the planet in between. Ooh, yes. yeah. I thought it's like, like I really like the sh- yeah. It's like really like shadowy and shady and like kind of creepy i liked that image a lot you mean dark (laughs) (laughs) take another note jj um brett i wanted to note when it said calamari i kept thinking of um so me and brett recently both watched moonstruck and one of the characters is named ronnie what is it camarari Camerary, and I just kept yes. thinking of him when I read Calamari for some reason. I have no life. Well, for me, I, I, I'm thinking of um, the Italian dish. So every, every time I see that, I'm like, I need to go to Polcari's and, and get some Calamari. I love some Calamari. Jeff, do you do the marinara sauce or no marinara sauce? Oh, absolutely with. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, we can all still be friends. And I even drape fake cheese over it. Ooh. Oh, because you're lactose intolerant. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. You'll have to give me some Rex because I need that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Day is day is pretty good. Okay. Good to know. Listeners, you can enjoy calamari as well. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all. Okay. <laughs> moving on. It's interesting to note that there's an actual reason that they start there. There's a Mon Calamari backstory. Another note, JJ. Should we just keep a tab on how many notes we're giving JJ? <laughs> More on this later, though. And again, holy crap. The artwork in this book is sick. Phenomenal. It's yeah, so cool. It's really I good. love this. Like, Jeff had the question last time, like, what would you frame? And I'm just like, all of it. Yeah. Seriously, yep. it's all so cool. We now learn that these devastators basically eat everything in their path and poop out raw materials for the construction <laughs> of new, and I quote, weapons of destruction. The Alliance decides to evacuate the Mon Calamari to the planet Da Sucha. So all the Mon Calamari are fleeing mm-hmm. to the planet Da Sucha, the one that their own moon is orbiting, a water planet, of course. Meanwhile, Lando and Wedge, because yeah, Wedge is here too, because he should be. Uh, Lando and Wedge will pilot the other Star Destroyer they stole against the Devastators. Hold up. There is another stolen Star Destroyer as part of the Rebel fleet. This is fantastic. Han, meanwhile, will head off to train other fighter teams that have newly come over to the Alliance. Mm-hmm. But wait, we about to slow things down a bit. <laughs> we get a little alone time so now. Slow jam. <laughs> oh yeah, we about to slow jam the Han and Leia relationship drama. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> we get some alone time for the married couple of the decade, Han and Leia. And who said marrying a Jedi was easy? Right? Nobody ever thinks about it when the girl is the Jedi. (laughs) Leia, because she's not a dumb dude, reflects on how little their life has improved and how little time they've had for each other and how much she's concerned. Dun, dun, dun. For her brother, Luke. Wow. Leia says, he's still alive. I can feel it. But he's getting farther away. She says, which is interesting because that means and, you know, they they really haven't talked about this further, but they she has the force power of being able to sense where Luke is Mm -hmm. with distance and to sense how alive he is. That's pretty awesome. Uh, At this point, we get the three dots, Mm -hmm. which I want to point out might be the MVP of this series. (laughs) 
<laughs> they leave a lot of things off on like, oh, Luke's getting farther away, dot, dot, dot. What does that mean? There's multiple layers to this. But Han, an actual dumb dude, is more than happy to defer to the Jedi's assessment of needing to fight this one alone. So he's like, no, Leia, don't worry about it. He's fine. He is kind of an idiot. Yeah, yeah he is. He is. Yeah. He's like, I don't really want to be bothered. Let's face yeah. it. That's the only reason you're like, no, nah, I'm sure he's good. Yeah. So then we cut to Luke and R2. The energy storm they faced at the end of issue number one has sucked them into an Imperial dungeon ship, the kind that they used to transport Jedi Knights during the Clone Wars. Oh, snap. Ho, ho. But inside this dungeon ship, they can't see out through the dot, 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 I added those, Mandalorian, Mandalorian walls. walls. Which, like, it. wow, that's amazing. Which, is, which means there's a whole nother backstory yes. to this. Yes. Could we see that in the actual Mandalorian series? I sure hope so. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, now, I'm going to quote here. Mm-hmm. But, quote, but to the eyes of the Force, these walls don't even exist. And that's how Luke knows they've arrived at their destination, the planet Bis, B-Y-S-S, a world entirely enveloped in the power of the dark side. Wow. Dang. The planets in this book look amazing. Just want to point that out. They do. Also, I love the drawing of Luke with his eyes and there's just like light over his eyes. Did you notice that? Yeah. So they've been using that a few times. It's pretty awesome. It is. The colors in this book are crazy. and They're awesome. They are. I've never loved neon green as much as this. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff's going to paint a room in his house that color and it will be (laughs) the Luke room. The Luke room. (laughs) They're now brought to a luminous city on the planet's surface where a bunch of dark sidey looking dudes put Luke in a bug zapper, I mean energized cage, because he's a Jedi. Yep. Is that a so I wanted to ask, is that a thing? Like is have they used that before, that that cage? Here's what's amazing, Megan. Something like that was just revealed on the Clone Wars animated series like two weeks ago. Yes, it oh, was. Oh, really? Again, didn't want to date this, but if you watch the final four episodes of the entire animated series of the Clone Wars, you'll see what we're talking about. There's a, basically a Mandalorian Jedi cage slash coffin. Whoa. Not Jedi, but for any Force user. So they actually, spoilers for the Clone Wars, that's, they actually trap Maul oh. in one of those. Wait, who's Maul? Darth Maul. Ooh. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Is Ooh, it Darth Maul? Yeah, even oh. more. Your guy. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, he's uh, my arch nemesis, but also I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, snap. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to explain this. So, so mm-hmm. Meganator, what were you saying? <laughs> he's my arch nemesis, but also I'm a big fan. He's just really <laughs> scary. Like, 100%, in my opinion, the scariest villain in all of the Star Wars universe. Like, really? Just terrifying. Yeah, I was scared of him as a kid. I still am. I yep. watched, what's he in, Fan- The Phantom Menace? Yep. Yes. I watched it recently. It was cringing watching him, but I, but I can't look away. Like, he's just so interesting. Right. I want to know his wow. backstory, you know? Oh, yes. you are going to love the animated series of the Clone Wars. Oh heck yeah! And okay, Rebels. I have to watch. He shows and up Rebels, in- which I'm which I'm watching right now. And Shall he we- showed up in um, Solo. Yes, you have a lot to look forward to, and and now you have a ton of time on your hands. That's yep. true. I've got nothing but time <laughs> to fill my Darth Maul love slash hate. <laughs> there we go. So then, Luke Skywalker, trapped in his bug zapper, is transported to the Great Hall, and he senses a mind reaching out to him. A mind full of mocking laughter. Mm. Again, 
dot, dot, dot. Think we know who that is. <laughs> Luke is released and immediately force tosses his captors and basically tells them, I could leave if I wanted to. <laughs> yes, he's here of his own free will. Yeah, but doesn't that sound just a little bit like a tantrum? He's definitely moody. He's very yeah. moody and like throws some hissy fits in this. So hissy fitting Luke uses his free will to guide himself to a semi-familiar throne room where he meets mm-hmm. his opponent, dot, dot, dot. Maybe he's born with it. <laughs> or... <laughs> Dude, I love your commentary on this. Maybe it's Palpatine. I, I feel like you're writing... <laughs> I feel like you're writing your own comic in parallel to this Dark Empire. I would read that comic. Maybe yeah. it's Pal- maybe it's Palpatine. Maybe it's Palpatine. I'm gonna break what I, with, I'm gonna break what I think might be the fifth wall here and say okay. like writing these recaps has been so much fun. Like, so can you see why I'm trying to get to issue number three so bad? Um, yeah, it's Palpatine. Here we learn kind of what we learned in The Rise of Skywalker, that Palpatine's right. essence or energy and power, <laughs> essence kind of goes with the, maybe it's, yeah, yeah, maybe it's Palpatine, cannot be contained by mere flesh. So he keeps creating clone bodies to inhabit, mm. just like what happened in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, also, this is the best looking Palpatine I have seen in comic form. Mm. And everything about this is a thousand times better than what we see of Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker. Again, I would take this any day. Oh, it's, yeah, he's, he's pretty menacing. Yeah, he does look awesome. And he doesn't look like a fool. You know, like in Rise of Skywalker, he's just kind of a goof. Yeah. Well, he's decrepit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, he's decrepit. Yep. He looks like, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's using gloves now to be safe during the pandemic. <laughs> like the Rise of Skywalker Palpatine is him. what the glove looks like when you take it off. And you're oh, like yeah. hanging it above a trash can. And it's like all sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Palm sweat Palpatine. <laughs> Palm sweat Palpatine. Palpatine now says, and now my young apprentice, you will take the place that rightfully belongs to you at my side. That was actually a really good impression. Oh, okay. thank you. So let, let's, pa- let's pause right here. So okay. Megan, what, what do you think of this, of this series so far with, with Brett's commentary? Oh, I love it. I think Brett's commentary is making it. I mean, I love the, the comic book on its own, but Brett just adding in those little things. Maybe it's Palpatine. I'm going to think about that a lot. <laughs> it's catchy. Do you think maybe we should put out an audiobook? Oh, I would love that. I'd listen to it any day. Well, you know, the whole reason we asked Megan here is because she has great taste. True that. Oh, thank you, my friends. So then Palm Sweat Palpatine. I'm just going to keep saying Palm Sweat Palpatine. Maybe just keep going. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't because that's Palpatine. the Rise of Skywalker version. We need to distinguish. This is like right. cool Palpatine. All right. He basically offers Luke all-you-can-eat Devastator tots. The rest of the pitch? Well, I gave the rebels like forever to get their crap together and they didn't. I'm dipping those tots. So now I'm super loaded in the world destroying capabilities department. So now it seems like an easy choice for Luke, but you see it's not. Why is that? Much like the rise of Skywalker, if he kills Palpatine, he doesn't really kill Palpatine and the cycle continues. Right. On the other hand, as Palpatine explains, he could, quote, still conquer me by learning the secrets of the dark side. Hey, no. Um, part of 
a small, small, small fraction of my beef with the rise of Skywalker is that Palpatine never has a compelling case to make to Rey. Ah. Palpatine and Rise of Skywalker is like, granddaughter who I've never seen before. Don't you want to come live with me and all my wrinkly palm sweat, latex discarded gloves friends in like hooded robes? Don't you want to hang out with us at the retirement home pool for the rest of your life? You know, I got to say, what is what is appealing about anything that he's doing? Nothing. Dude, she's already got lightning power without him. That is a good point. I guess I never thought about that with the rise of Skywalker. He never makes a very compelling case. No. There's never a point where you think Rey is going to go along with it. Yeah. And and you could have built up, you know, the case in Return There's of the no Jedi conflict. is anger. And here it's just like, there's no reason for for her to ever accept his offer, but here it's so much different. It's like, Luke, you've tried everything. You yeah. know that the only way to kill me, even if you're thinking, I'll just learn the dark side so that I can then kill him with it. But like, you know, that's the only tempting option here. Nothing else has worked. Mm, interesting. So to me, that's what's awesome about this. And not to mention he's messed with his whole family, like his whole, his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> And it's kind of like, hey, you're a good dude. If you want to protect your family, this is the way to do it. He's basically saying, look, I, I've got the power to, you know, transfer my essence to any anybody I want. So even if you kill me, you don't really win. Right. Yeah, and this is an important sense. question. This is OK. So here, this next thing is something I love about the writing of this book, because, of course, we're all wondering at this point, is it just BS? you know, this case that he's making to Luke. But then the narration kicks in to tell us that, quote, the dark side has spoken, and for once it speaks the truth. Wow. So now if this happened in a movie, we'd just be like, yeah, he's lying, though. Right. How do we know? But see, here you have the benefit, right, of narration, Mm -hmm. which is not um, an unreliable narrator. So here's the thing, Brett. My question is, you know, I think this is one of the issues or – one of the problems with trying to transfer this kind of stuff to film yeah, is how do you actually put that in the film? Because you the can't only way have to do a narrator. It, mm. Right. I think, the, I think the way you do it is, is literally just the facial expression. You know, I can picture a shot where a good director, <clears throat> a good director just hangs on Luke's face a little longer and he gives a look. I'm not going to try to act because I can't act. But he gives a look <laughs> that says, that tells you, I hate this, but I know he's right. And I think if Luke and Palpatine are in agreement that this is true, then we as the audience know it's true. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So, so get them both, show them both accepting it. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that happened in The Last Jedi when Kylo tells Rey that she's no one, that her parents were no one. You know that they both believe it. And J.J. does carry that forward to The Rise of Skywalker because when it comes up again that oh, that wasn't quite true, but it's clear that Kylo still believed it at the time and he wasn't completely wrong. Right. He just didn't know the full story. So I think they actually did that well, that part well in, in the sequel trilogy. Explaining that, yeah. So guys, oh my gosh, Luke's gonna <laughs> do it. OMG. Oh, damn. Luke recognizes that he must change the dark side from within. He reaches for his lightsaber and says... Yes, my father's destiny is my own. Wow. That's a huge moment. I don't know about y'all, but when I read this, 
I was ecstatic. I'm not going to try to say what I wrote in our, in our notes for this episode. I was so excited that Luke was turning to the dark side, which is crazy because I have actually criticized Luke Skywalker. I mean, Mark Hamill, same thing for saying that he, he had pitched George Lucas years ago and, on having Luke turn to the dark side. Oh, really? I thought like, I don't know if that was ever a good idea. Now, maybe it's the hindsight of having experienced the sequel trilogy and being less than satisfied with it and thinking, all right, it would have been good if they tried something else, which is easy to do in retrospect. But man, I think this book earns it. Again, it like built this up to where we see that like, yeah, this is the only option. It's very convincing. He's going to the dark side, not because he wants to though, right? But because right. he knows he has to. He knows he has to. Okay. But see, you know, the Luke Skywalker that... that Anne's Return of the Jedi would never do this. Right? Yes, so, and then that's the interesting thing from the fan point of view is that Luke would always see some sort of, you know, he is like Woody from Toy Story. He's always going to see a positive. There's always a better way out of this that does not mm -hmm. involve me breaking my integrity and my loyalty to the light side of the force. I kind of like that we get to see this. Yeah, I love it. And again, it's illustrated so well. You know, the the, I was going to so say good. the drawing, the one below when he says the my father's destiny is my own. That is such a good drawing when he's on his knees and Palpatine standing and is like glowing. Yeah, it's with amazing. the blue in the background. Man. That's so good. And then R and then R two is there seeing his little. It, it's <laughs> here's the thing. Like you know the the trepidation that's in R 2s voice, even though it's only. Yeah. <laughs> I love right. R2, R2's commentary throughout is really cute. It's like, yeah. it's like, are you sure, Master? Yeah. You really want to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, um, here's your lightsaber. You want to use it? It's like, Luke, I know you think you failed last time, but you also didn't try decapitating him with your lightsaber. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we give that a shot before we try this whole joining the dark side thing. Uh, who else is not a fan of this? Leia. Leia has been holed up in her room for days. She says, Han, I shouldn't have listened to you, you dumb dude. I added that. I shouldn't have listened to Luke. She says, we've lost him. Don't you see? He needs me. This is awesome. <laughs> Leia's just taking the bull by the horns and like, man, I gotta fix everything for you guys. Yeah, but I love I love Han's response. So I I gotta I gotta read this out. Go ahead, Jeff. Tell us. It says Chewy, when you finish fixing the flux stabilizer, whoa, also known as the flux capacitor, <laughs> from Back to the Future, <laughs> he says, fuel up the Falcon. We've got a date with the dark side. Yes, I, mean, I love on. that line. That is so 80s. It's really good. I love that <laughs> they ended it that way. And like the drawing is fantastic. Yeah. It's like everything about it is a really good way to end it. Jeff, that is Han and Chewie <laughs> doing the Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator <laughs> arm lock. Right? Right? Bam. <laughs> so here's my thing, Brett. You could just make one movie out of just these two comics. Yes. Well, I think that's what you would do, right? So there's six issues. So yeah. this is movie number one. At the end of the episode, Luke turns to the dark side. Yeah. That'd be a great movie. Yeah. And it's kind Can of an Empire that? Strikes Back type of cliffhanger. It's not just like, we're going to show you Luke Skywalker and then leave you hanging for no reason. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back was a satisfying ending. This is a satisfying ending too. Everyone's disappointed. Luke is resigned to join the dark side. Yeah. Leia is obviously like disappointed, like, man, couldn't you figure out a better way than this dude? I'm going to have to go <laughs> fix everything, which is kind of the way Empire Strikes Back ended, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. But without mimicking it, 
It's just kind of evoking that tone, but it's going darker. Oh man, I love I this. I love it. It's so good. Guys, I'm sorry, but I got to head out. Okay, Jeff has to head out. <laughs> but continue continue on in my steed yeah. because I am going to the dark side <laughs> and the two of you are going to have to rescue me at some point. We'll save you, G-Man Callie. I'm going to have to fix it from within. Sure, Jeff, you do what you think you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> but Megan's gonna fix it. And I'm taking my droid with me. <laughs> oh, take your droid. We got this one right here. Okay. Adios. All right, Bye, peace Jeff. out, Jeffrey. All right. So, Megan, overall assessment, what do we think of issue number two? Oh, amazing. Yeah. I like it even more than the first one. I wish that they would turn this into a movie. Like okay. I wish I feel like they that can't happen now with all the characters since they're all dead yeah basically but it's so good i now that you're saying it with about the rise of skywalker i feel like there's a lot of parallels yeah and i wish that they had gone like in a direction more like this because yeah. it's so good what do you think i too loved this episode uh this issue of star wars dark empire i just think it was amazing and again All it's easy to amazing. say in hindsight because we've seen what the sequel trilogy is we never got like this young post return of the jedi luke skywalker Mm -hmm. So just to see that in action. And I mean, deep down, Megan, do you feel like Luke Skywalker is actually going to go dark and stay no. dark? No. no. You so know, like, like deep down, I know that's not going to happen, which I like to know. Yeah. And I think this is as dark as you can go. Is even, I mean, I, I hope he keeps up dark for, you know, most of the rest of the series. And maybe mm -hmm. at the end of issue number six is when he turns things back around. And we're not going to be surprised, but, you know, at least we got a few issues of Luke yeah. being super dark. I'm curious to see what he's going to do as oh, dark too. Luke, you know, like what dark deeds will he actually do? More things that I liked about this, epi uh, this issue, the weird little rescuers, rescuers down under bat flying into Pinnacle Base ahead of the Falcon. For some reason, I thought that was pretty cool. The base among the canyons and caverns of the fifth moon of Dasucha. Holy crap. Oh, I, I agree with that. Like, what an awesome setting. Which is why, you know, again, got to give side eye to JJ, who's just like, huh, explore new worlds and new environments. No, I think we're good with desert planets still. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Yeah, JJ really should have branched out a little bit more. He could have done so much more. What <laughs> were know. you thinking, JJ? So yeah, Lucasfilm, apparently it's also good to give context and dare I say logic to the story. That Mon Calamari backstory is awesome. You know, seeing their history and the reason why the revived empire starts their destruction tour mm -hmm. with the Mon Calamari planet, it makes a lot of sense and it adds weight to the story. I like that background. Also, I liked every single other thing about this comic. <laughs> the art, the tone, um, it gives us something deeper and darker than we've ever seen before in Star Wars. Definitely. I also want to say, uh, there's a friend of the podcast, Steelbook Steve McMahon. I just want to say, Steve, what the heck do you not like about this book? Megan, this is a good friend of mine. There's someone who doesn't like this? Yeah. And like, so when, when we announced that we were going to do a Dark Empire series, he's just like, mm. oh, God. And it was like, Steve, what are you thinking? <laughs> I'm confused. This is so good. Please tell us why you don't like it. I'm curious. What's not to Genuinely. love, man? I think it's really great. And I've like really never read comics before this. 
I like Star Wars, though, and I find this to be super captivating and interesting. Like, I'm really looking forward to reading the next one. A uh, couple fun facts about this one, Megan. Luke at one point says that the dark planet Biss, speaking of that planet, he says, if there's a dark center of the universe, this is it, R2. And that's a nice little callback to his line from A New Hope when he says, speaking of Tatooine, if there's a bright center to the universe, you're on the planet that it's farthest from. Oh, I like that. So I think that's pretty cool. He didn't just completely copy the line. And the thing is, JJ, it's the same character <laughs> saying it, so it does make sense. Mm -hmm. Unlike when you have a totally different character who wasn't there repeat somebody's line in a sequel. He recycled a lot in the, when he, I feel like he, he wasn't the most creative. He could have done a little bit more. Sorry to throw shade at JJ. <laughs> I like that you're saying it because me and Jeff say it all the time, but we haven't even indoctrinated <laughs> you with this. No, I agree with it. I agree with you guys. We did talk about what would you frame? Uh, and we basically said you could frame every single page of this ever, book. Seriously. Again, shout out to Cam Kennedy. And if you ever meet him at a Star Wars convention, he's going to be super nice because he's an awesome guy. Yeah, I would frame literally like everything from this. I would frame everything. And if somebody told me there was a one frame limit... <laughs> I would say the very last pick is pretty awesome. Uh, oh, the the, one, the where, one with uh, Han and Chewie? Yep. Standing I on this platform. I love that. I love the bright pink. Yeah. Like in contrast with the blue. Oh, I, it's really, it's a great last photo. And the moon is giant. It's like the moonstruck moon. <laughs> That's Cosmo's moon. <laughs> it's Cosmo's it's moon. It's Cosmo down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It, that is my favorite scene. The moon recently, there was a, the full moon that we had. I was yeah. looking at my window and I said, it's Cosmo's moon. And my roommate was like, what? <laughs> Great movie. I love that we were oh, able to bring Moonstruck so into it. The best, the best. <laughs> oh, it's Mon Camerary. Oh, that's going to be my new Twitter handle. Mon Camerary. I love that. Oh, that's, yes. a, that's perfect. Next time, Megan, we will take on issue number three, Duel Ooh. on the Smuggler's Moon. All right, let's see the cover. Oh. Uh, Megan, I don't know if you can see it because you're on Comixology. Mine is downloading. Downloading page one. <laughs> oh, oh, snap. This is intense. Creepy. This is intense. Luke looks honestly terrifying. He looks like a mini Palpatine. Yeah. He looks like Palm Sweat Palpatine from The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> <laughs> except with hair. Beautiful. Yeah, he hair. looks, he definitely looks like a younger Palpatine, like he's not as aged, but still creepy. He kind of just looks like quarantine, Luke. <laughs> like he hasn't he hasn't used shampoo. Like he's taken a bath, but he hasn't really washed his hair. Yeah, he's gonna wash his hair soon. It's looking rough. Leia is oh. looking like really scared, or I don't she's turned backwards and yeah, her outfit is not what I'd expect of uh, of Leia. She looks like she's waiting for Wesley to arrive. She looks like Buttercup a little bit. Also, did you? Luke is like transparent, sort of. Like you can see stuff behind him. I don't know whether we should read anything into that, or if it was just like Cam Kennedy wanted to show off more of the fleet behind him. I don't know. I don't know, but it's pretty neat. I'm into it. There could be a meaning to it. Like in the color choices, it's like some blues and greens. Yeah, very different. I love that each cover so far has been wildly different from the one before. It has, yeah. Um, oh boy, this is intriguing. I don't know if it's as exciting as the last two covers, but it's cool. And I do love, I love um, on just a purely aesthetic note, the top of the Star Destroyer is in shadow. So all you really see are 
bits of light hitting mm. the metal that it looks blue. And then you're seeing the little lights. Very 2001 Space Odyssey. I love that. Anytime you get like five different colored light bulbs in a Star Wars scene. Yeah, this is a pretty cool cover. I, I, I just can't wait to dig in. Oh, I, yeah, me too. So we'll try to do issue number three sooner than yeah, we did not issue like number two. two and a half months later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan, I have a bonus recommendation for the Moof Milkers besides Moonstruck. Okay, what is it? My bonus recommendation is, you know, we were, again, we, we, we were trying to keep these timeless, but if you've run out of things to stream during, oh, any old lockdown quarantine isolation situation on account of who knows a gas leak or a mutant hornet swarm or a pandemic i recommend the series other space other space megan have you ever heard of other space no tell me about it i think less people have heard of this than have heard of cop rock i haven't heard of uh cop rock i feel like i've heard you say but i don't know what it is right anyone i've asked that ever said i've heard about it it was because i told them yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> um, Other Space is a Yahoo Screen exclusive. Yes, that was a thing. Yahoo Screen. It was an app. Wow, I've never heard of that. It was so stupid. Now, apparently, it's called Yahoo Finance. But all you have to do is just Google Other Space or how to watch Other Space. Okay. They release the episodes for free eventually on a Tumblr page. Um, uh, RIP Tumblr. Didn't it get bought out really cheap i think so yeah but you can find these episodes i found them and it was okay. literally like on the website yahoo finance or something but it's online it's free the show is great it comes from paul Fag, i think is how you pronounce his name who directed bridesmaid spy he also directed episodes of arrested development and a oh. classic episode of 30 rock called cleveland it's a show that really grows on you. It comes off as really silly at first, but it's incredibly well-written. Like there's a really interesting story to each one. It's not just spoofing sci-fi. Like it really is sci-fi. It's just really funny and goofy. Multiple viewings are a must. It gets funnier and funnier and funnier every time you watch it. So I just went back and rewatched the first episode last night mm -hmm. and I was howling. Okay, I trust your judgment. <laughs> My kid came in the room and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm watching other shows. I don't want to overblow it. No, but it sounds, if it's from, you said it's the director of all the, of Bridesmaids yeah. and all those, I, I, that's one of my all-time fave movies. I'm totally yes. going to watch it. To set the correct expectation, the highest compliment that I can pay it is that it is as brilliant as it is dumb. Okay. It's just super goofy. Like that's where I love things to be. It's very well done. It's very, very funny. It also has Joel from Mystery Science Theater. I never, I've never seen Mystery Science Theater. <gasps> Megan! I know. I'm all of your 90s experience. Is it a show? Yeah. Okay. I'm adding it to my list. All right. We'll tell you about, I'll, I have to tell you more about that offline. Well, I think everyone needs to check out other space. Yes. All right, Megan. Pretty boy. This has been real. This has been fun. It has been. And I'm super excited for issue number three, Duel on the Smuggler's Moon. I'm ready for it. This is Brett. That was Jeff. And this is Megan. And we're just talking about Star Wars Dark Empire on the Skywalk.